0: everyone, welcome to another episode of the Founders Craft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gonzalez, and joining me on the show today is Mike Kim. Uh, Mike Kim is a good friend of mine. We had a chance meeting each other a couple of years ago at, at the, I believe it was the Story Brand Marketing Workshop in Nashville, Tennessee, a couple of years ago. And Mike, thanks for joining uh, me on the show.
1: It is awesome to be here, Mike. And for those of you tuning in, it's awesome to be with you guys and hope to add some value to you today.
0: I'd love for our listeners to just get a chance to know who you are a little bit. So let's give us uh, some background So you are a personal brand coach. I know that you specialize in helping personal brands, uh, monetize, uh, their coaching and speaking business. And, uh, you have quite, quite the story of of how that evolved. And, you know, you've worked with very well known uh, figures in the personal brand space, uh, some of which, uh, if I mentioned their names, you as a listener would, would recognize them immediately. But Mike, I'd love for them to just hear a little bit about how you made that quick transition from working in a marketing role to really leading a personal brand coaching business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a pleasure to be with you, Mike. And um, so there's two two facets to the business. One is the client side where I help thought leaders, and what I mean by thought leaders are uh, coaches, speakers, authors, consultants. I'm, I've worked with some of the top names in the world. I've been hired by them to build out their marketing campaigns, to you know tweak their messaging, to build out their sales funnels, and all that sort of thing. And um, of course, involved in that is uh, knowing how to to message them, how to speak like them, how to do things in their voice. Uh, and then uh, then the other side is that I coach people who want to become speakers, coaches, authors, or consultants, and they don't know how to market themselves. So it's just like you said, the personal brand space is where you know I found my home, I found my niche. But before that, I was in you know corporate marketing job i was the cmo for this big educational company that was based in the new york city area super competitive area and um my whole journey started when um back in 2013 i took that job and i just wanted an outlet to share what i was learning Uh, i come from a speaking background i did a lot of music when i was younger and now you know i wasn't doing that and i wanted an outlet so i started writing Uh, writing it always come a little bit naturally to me and I started a blog and nobody read it except for probably my mother. Right? And I, I figured if I'm going to do this, I might as well do it the right way. And so I went online, Googled a few people. I found some some people to to help me, give me some training and stuff like that, bought their courses and programs. And through the course of this, what I realized was that I knew a lot more about marketing than most people because I was actually a C, in the C-suite as a marketer. Yeah. And yet the people who were struggling the most were the, the folks who wanted to become um, solo entrepreneurs. They wanted to go into business for themselves. And for me, it all started, and, and I ask these questions to, the, to this day, I call it the PB3, the personal brand three. And these are the three questions I ask people. Um, what pisses you off? <laughs> and I use that language on purpose because I, I want to get to the emotion of it. What breaks right. your heart? And what's the big problem you're trying to solve? because if you want to launch a business around yourself it might as well be something that you believe in mm-hmm. and so um when i asked myself those questions i actually didn't wake up in the morning and say you know what really ticks me off really bad advertising and i didn't wake up in the morning and say you know what breaks my heart terrible copywriting i i, I wasn't like that so right. there are people who are like that and they're designers in 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 firms and you know they work at marketing agencies but My answers to those questions were like, you know what really ticks me off, what pisses me off is that, um, and I'll tell a story, uh, and this is really where it came to a head for me. I was working in the C-suite job, getting paid more money than I'd ever made before, Mm -hmm. and it had been about probably two years since my mother and my sister and I were all together in the same place just because of life happening. And they came to my house, I was living in New Jersey at the time, for Thanksgiving, and I stayed up with my mom hanging out until two in the morning hearing all these war stories about my childhood, right? I was like this is amazing, this is precious time together. And the thing is I had to cut it short because I had to go to work the next morning on Black Friday. Ah. And you know, and I had to leave them at my house, right? And I'm just like this is not right. Like it, what's going to matter? Like what gosh, she could have a heart attack. She could she could get in a car accident and we would not have that time and and I I got just so angry. I got so upset that you know, my life was being dictated by someone telling me I had to come into work on Black Friday. And yeah. um, then it grew into like, they're telling me what time I have to show up to work and how much money I'm allowed to make and how many days a year I'm allowed to spend with my family, right? On vacation. And so that really, and, and, you know, they didn't really, they they were nice to me cause I was a good worker and I got them crazy results, but they didn't really care about the livelihood, you know, and, and the welfare of my life, the overall quality yeah. of my life. They just wanted me to do a job. and, what broke my heart was, you know, living in New Jersey, you know, a lot of people commute into New York City for work, and I'd drive down the street in the morning, and I'd see all these people standing outside in the bus stop in the freezing cold, right? New Jersey's pretty cold. New York City's cold at times. Oh, yeah. And, you know, these people are miserable. They look miserable. They look like they were zombies, like they were the walking dead. And I said to myself, <laughs> I bet some of those people are were varsity athletes in high school, I bet some of them were valedictorians. I bet some of them have master's degrees and here they are they're going to a job they hate. They're try they're living, you know, uh their life under this, you know, this almost like it's like almost like an oppression. And again, nothing against corporate America. This this is just what spoke to me. Yeah. And the world is not a better place because of that we don't access their brilliance we don't get to access their experience we don't get to access their expertise because they are doing some work in a cubicle at a company somewhere right mm. and their families aren't happy and and then their kids are learning that this is how life should be lived and this is as good as it gets it's a it's a big mortgage and a white picket fence and you know you go to the best college you can so that you can just you know you know, you you could do this too in 30 years right and that broke right. my heart and so the big problem i was trying to solve was how do i help people live a life that they want now if you want to dress up in the suit and tie and go to work that's totally cool we need people like that we need companies like amazon i like amazon i like what they do for my life right um but it's it's that is where the genesis of my whole business was to niche down in the personal brand space and um You know, Mike, Mike, you know, you're in marketing, I'm in marketing. People hire us because they think marketing leads to more money. Right. But I tell them that there's another word that starts with an M that actually precedes the word marketing. And that is the word movement. What is the Mm. movement you're trying to start? Every company worth its salt was rooted in a movement. It doesn't matter if that company was Q-tips and they said we shall empower people to clean their ears after they take a shower <laughs> with these cotton swabs. It doesn't matter if it's um, if it's Tom's shoes that they're going to sell these shoes, and they're going to for every shoe that's a pair of shoes that's sold, they're going to they're going to donate one to some kids in need. You know, every company out there that's worth its salt was driven by a movement. Now, sometimes the movement is to make more money, but if there's not a passion behind it, if there's not a passion behind it, it's really difficult to market that company. There's got to be something at the core, and that that's really where I started, and that's why I do what I do today.
0: That's excellent. I love that, and how you, you combine both the, the, just the passion behind giving people a path to uh, have an alternative option, right? And that's one of the paths that I personally took, right? I, I you know, starting at my career, I had the opportunity to work for a, top six tech company. It was going to be that path of going to the office nine to five, working from a cubicle, being told when my vacation times are, the whole nine. And nothing's wrong with that if that's what you're wired to do. But I'd love to hear your perspective on uh, people who are running their own organization right now, and they might have a small team, right? And they're Mm -hmm. thinking to themselves right now, well, I want my team to feel like they're a part of a movement. But I don't want them to quit and start their own company. But at the same time, I don't want to lose that ability to have the nimbleness that I had when I started my company, right? Because, you know, when you start a personal brand, when you, when you launch a company, it's you, right? It's my, it might be you and maybe a, a virtual assistant at some point. But as you scale, you have to begin to think about all of the other areas that you might not necessarily be strong in. And delegate those roles out, which we talked about in, in previous episodes. But then how do you still maintain that authenticity uh, as a brand? Does it make sense to be a, I'll describe it as a faceless brand, a generic name of a business, and you're solving this problem? Or do you lead with right. your personality?
1: Right. I think it, it depends on the kind of Company, it is. You know, it, it depends on the type of business. And um, it, if you have a brand that's very personal, personality driven, and then scales. I mean, we see this all the time, Mike. Like, like we, we see brands like Dave Ramsey, for example, mm-hmm. right? Financial planner. Those of you may might be familiar with him. Love him or hate him, right? Uh, he's got he's mm-hmm. grown a pretty big company, and I would dare to say he's still the face of that company. But they right. got what hundreds of employees.
0: Yeah, right. And so now, he, yeah.
1: yeah, so he has created a a certain culture uh, and, and all that. And yet um, there are other companies like Tom's Shoes that uh, maybe founded by a guy named Tom, but it's become its own identity. And so what might be more helpful for all of us to understand is that when I look at, at a brand, there are three sub identities that make up a brand identity. Hmm. And uh, they all have to be aligned. Uh, they're like legs on a tripod. You can't have one, or on a stool. Like you can't have one without the other two aligned. Otherwise, it's going to topple over. And so these are no, in no particular order. But let me share them in a way that might make sense. Uh, and I'm an alliteration guy. So they all start with V. Right. So I made this up and to, just to help people. And so I say there's a visual identity to your brand, which is how it looks. You know, the colors, uh, mm-hmm. the fonts, uh, the type of photography that you use, all that sort of thing. So you have a visual identity to the brand. Then you have a verbal identity to the brand. And that is where the copywriting comes in. It's the way the brand talks. Um, For example, um, Apple, very succinct language, right? Think different. I mean, these are like their slogans, right? Uh, You walk to the Apple store, their slogans are very, very short. Um, And then you have the value identity of the brand, which is your positioning. And what I mean by positioning is where you sit relative to your competition. You got Louis Vuitton, and then you got Walmart. And those are positioned very differently. Both companies differently. make a lot, yeah, a lot of money, a lot of money. But they're pos- and they make their money very different ways though. So you walk into Louis Vuitton and their visual identity is gold and brown, you know, that iconic brown, and everything's, you know, super bougie and, and high end mm-hmm. and and um and you have that visual identity, the verbal identity. They don't know what the word discount means. I mean, you go into Louis Vuitton and you ask them for a discount. I mean, they're just going to chase you right out the store. Oh, yeah. Right. But then you go to Walmart, the word discount is everywhere. Sale, it's everywhere. Right. And all of that reflects their value identity, where they sit in their positioning. So when I look at a brand and whether they're going through a transition like this or not, right, they're moving from the founder to the company, right, the founder to the scaled up company. you have to shape the identity of your brand. Like you have to play an active role in that. It's like, to me, the imagery that I have, it's it's like clay on a potter's wheel. You have to shape it. Mm-hmm. Now it can have its genesis in you, right? But you have to shape the way that that brand is going to look, talk, and be positioned. And those three things, when they're aligned, you have a very clear brand Message. You have a very clear marketing strategy. All, all of that can flow out from that. But imagine looking at a Louis Vuitton ad, you know, a beautiful bag and a beautiful watch with Comic Sans font.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: <laughs> and, and the word saying big discount, 50% sale, right? And, and you look at that, and it's exactly what you're saying, Mike. You're like, oh, man. And you feel the best word is weird. You yeah. feel like something's off. Right? Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm talking about—the misalignment be- between those three. So, you know, you have these, these, um, you know, these bakeries. It's it's really, really high end cupcakes and pastries, and then their brand talks like "yo, yo, down this cupcake." <laughs> <laughs> it, it might not—you might not sell to the Four Seasons, to be honest. No. Right. You're not. I mean, you might do great online retail business, but you're not going to you're not going to get bought out by the four seasons and get a contract with them. Right. So it's it's really like you got to have that alignment. And if you don't want to be bought out by the four seasons and you want to bypass all that, you want to straight to the consumer and, you know, hit hit the millennial market and and just kind of be hip and young. Cool. But at least know that. So the verbal, visual value identity, has to be aligned.
0: I love that. Now let's talk about that a little bit more. Let's unpack that. If you are, let's say, you are a uh, marketing consultancy, right? You work with um, small businesses, helping them drive traffic to their website, and and you maybe work on uh, search engine optimization, or maybe design some uh, branding elements, things like that. Very typical marketing company. When you launch a company, right, and it may not necessarily the company name may not possess your name, right? It's a generic like. Um, you know, innovative Mm -hmm. marketing.com, something very Mm -hmm. generic like that. You hear very many people talk about how uh, you have to have a presence online, you have to market on social media, you got to create content to drive leads, especially uh, if you're an internet marketing company. Where is that balance between writing as the face of a company and then writing as a company, right? Because sometimes we start companies uh, without a Personal identity attached to it, but we then try to treat this generic corporation as if it is a personal identity. So, where is that balance in how you um, determine your voice, determine your message, especially when you didn't maybe go to market with one?
1: Mm. Yeah, so you know, it's it's really funny. I'll give an example. Um, I use an email service called ConvertKit. Mm -hmm. I used them when they first started out, and how I found out about them was because of the founder. Nathan Barry and Nathan's a young guy. I mean, I don't even, I, I don't even know if he's 30 years old yet. Yeah. And so, this yeah. company's just, ex- yeah, this company has exploded. So I remember I was using a different email service provider, a, a, a faceless service provider. You're right. Like no, no person attached to it. And it was mm-hmm. called MailChimp, MailChimp. Now they have good branding. It's a, it's a monkey and there's bananas everywhere. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, okay. And, um, it just felt like this really, really big, you know, kind of corporate, email marketing solution. And there were things that I felt like features that that were absent from it that made it really hard for me to do what I, I wanted to do. And I remember listening to Nathan on a podcast, and I remember reading his story about why he started the company. And I can tell you this day we met once or twice. He knows who I am. Um, I congratulated him on all his success. And Yet I remember he said, all I want all I want to do is blog and write emails really quickly. And he came from a user interface background. He was a UI designer. Yeah. And he said, I designed ConvertKit to to be tailor made for people just like me. And I was sold. I, yeah. I was like, it should be easy. It should be simple. Now, that company, I think they they, they easily do a million a month. Something like that. I, I saw an income report recently. They're killing it. But to me, because I, I got in early, that brand will always be, you know, tethered to Nathan. Even if he buys himself out of the company it sells it, you know, his values, I would hope, will stay with that company. Those yeah. values that because he started the company saying, I'm going to I'm going to create an email service provider for creatives, for bloggers, for podcasters, for people who create. And so I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm in that. And, and I love I love the product. Right. And, and yet he has scaled up to multiple, you know, tons of employees and, and, and multiple millions of dollars in revenue. And yeah. they've kept that. And you know what? It's funny because he doesn't do as much of the marketing anymore. The people who do the marketing, at least that I'm seeing these days are his users are people like me. Mm-hmm. And so my point is that even there, right. Even if you're a marketing agency, they're, they're close to marketing agency. That's why I'm telling the story. Yeah. Um, their customers are doing the marketing for them now, right? The biggest bloggers on the planet are doing their marketing for them now because they're affiliates or they're advisors or they're, um, you know, recommending the product, right? And so still people are doing business with people. So my people don't know who Nathan Barry is. They know who Mike Kim is, right? And I tell them use ConvertKit and they're like, okay, if that's what Mike uses and then I'm going to use it. So yeah. Funny. Yeah. And they, it's so funny. They ask me, can you create a tutorial for ConvertKit for us? And I'm like, this not my products. <laughs> and I was like, go on their website; they have tutorials. I said, no, I'd rather learn from you. And that says something. That's very wow. powerful. Yeah. Right? And so they're still doing people uh, business with people. And what ConvertKit has done is it made it really easy for me to promote them because, like, let's say I do create a tutorial and I tell everyone to buy ConvertKit, I just give them my affiliate link. And now I'm earning a commission off the teaching that I made off a product that's not even mine. Exactly. So. So in, in, in the big picture, what my my short answer to the to the question is you got to tell stories. Right. That's how you make the transition. Storytelling is always the easiest way to do it, right? Um, you and I met at Storybrand. We understand the power of story. But you know, I started this company because XYZ and we're scaling up and we're a marketing consultancy. These are the values that we are founded on, and these are the values that we're gonna we're gonna exhibit to you. And it's just like fifth grade show and tell, tell and show. This is what Mike Gonzalez stands for, and this is why he started this company, and um, this is why you know, I'm, I'm one of his account managers, my name's Mike Kim, and these are our values, and you show them and you tell them. And that that's how you communicate that. And if I know what the visual, verbal, and value identity of the company is, then it makes it really easy for me to go forth and continue to perpetuate that culture and footprint
0: in the marketplace. I love that. I love that because really, what's happening is if you are a um, an organization that was started, and the brand itself may not include your actual name, right? It's not necessarily a personal brand, but you're using story to obviously build a connection with your customer base and a story that they can probably see themselves in, right? Because just like you described, Nathan Barry had this identity of you know a creator, a designer, a content creator. And he then created that product out of this desire to have something like this, which then obviously resonates with people just like him who want that same outcome. And Uh now that product becomes a part of their identity. I I love that. Now, taking it a step further, if you are a personal brand, looking at it from the other perspective, let's say you have very many passions. Maybe you are a designer and you love creating websites and you want them to be simple, but at the same time, you also love music and you also love traveling and food. You know, you might be an area, a, a, you, have, you might have multiple areas of expertise. How do you pick that message to lead with, right? Because I, I know you work with personal brands of various backgrounds, speakers, writers, um, you know, consultants. What is something that if you were considering a personal brand, how do you pick the message to lead with?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I always kind of start with the end in mind, right? So let me, let me kind of work backwards. Hang with me here for a second. If I'm a personal brand, chances are I'm gonna have to create content to market myself, right? We all use social media, all, all that, right? Mm-hmm. And when I think about the end user, why do you and I tune into certain content you know, during a given day? We all do it. We don't even think, we're marketers and we do it. We don't even right. think about it, right? And so there's three primary reasons why people tune in to consume content and they're in no particular order. um, But chances are a given brand is going to focus on one of the three. And so these three reasons are people tune into content for education. They tune in for number two inspiration and they tune in for number three entertainment. So education, inspiration, entertainment. And if you have a a personal brand, you're going to have to pick one of those because your content has to be driven by one pillar. It doesn't mean you can't do the other two, but there's gotta be a primary one. So when people tune into my podcast, they want education. They're coming for education. Right. 90% of the time, I've gotta educate on my podcast, right? The other 10% of the time, I need to inspire or I need to entertain. Because if I don't, and I only focus on education in the name of brain clarity, you know what I become? I become a college professor. (laughs) <laughs> I, become a st- I become a stuffy Ph.D. guy. Right. Yep. And so um, and so depending on the channel, I dial it up on one of those three more on one channel than the other. So my podcast, for example, 90 percent education. I'll have a few podcast episodes that are hopefully inspiring to people. Right. Like uh, I'll tell the story of how I made the leap into becoming a full time entrepreneur. Right. And I'm hoping that's inspiring to people. Um, I'll share an episode on how I overcame some really big personal challenges the last three years in my family life. Right. And hopefully that's inspiring to people. And then, you know, once in a blue moon, I'll just do a pure entertainment episode where I'm hanging out with a friend and we're literally recording an episode while we're drinking scotch. Right. (laughs) And it's just like goofy. Right. Pure
0: entertainment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. it's, It's just pure. And hopefully in that, we're sharing something valuable, and sharing something you know interesting, but basically my business is an educational business, and I have to t- tip you know dab my toe in the water, dip my toe in the water with inspiration and entertainment from time to time. Now, when we come back to let me let me circle back to what you were asking about, you know how do I pick one of these you know things? I, I love travel, I love uh, marketing, I love food, I love you know all this other stuff. So I have learned that um, if you're going to start a personal brand, everyone has a personal brand, but not everybody has a personal brand business, right? Right. So um, if you want to start a personal brand business, you have to understand business is nothing more than solving a problem for a profit. That's it. So when people come to me and say, Mike, I want to start a personal brand business, I ask them, you know, besides the PB3 questions that I just shared before, yeah, right, Yeah. when we get to the actual biz- business building portion of things, I ask them two simple questions. I ask them, what do you want me to pay you for? And number two, which one of my friends do you want to talk to you about your business? And that completely throws them for a loop. So here's what <laughs> a lot of them say. Uh, what do you want me to pay you for? And they say, well, I want, I, want, I want you to pay me for, and they kind of stumble through their words, I want you to pay me for uh, helping you find life balance and fulfillment. And I stopped them right there. You know, I'm from New York. You know, I'm from New York. I'm pretty direct. I'm like, stop, stop. No, I'm literally asking you, what do I get when I give you my credit card? Because last time I checked, I can't buy a bottle of life balance. And they're kind of, they're kind of shocked, shocked by that. I'm like, they're like, I don't understand what you mean. I was like, how do you not understand what I mean? What do I get when you, when I give you my credit card? Do I get a book? Do I get a digital course? Do I get your phone number so that I can buy an hour of your time? What do I get? Do I do I get a notebook? Do I get a planner? What what uh-huh. do I get? And they're they're not I mean shockingly they're not able to answer right away. Right? And so they stumble through that and like I've never thought about it this way. I'm like then what are you going to sell? You can't sell your Instagram account. No. You can't sell ideas. Like what? In what way are you going to tangibly communicate, or what are you going to transfer to me in exchange for my money? And then so, secondly, that begs the question: Which one of my friends do you want to talk to? Do you you want to talk to my brilliant marketing and designer friend, you know, based in Florida, Mike Gonzalez? Do you want to talk to him? Do you want to talk to you know um, my friend Sarah, who just graduated from college and doesn't have any money but wants to go to nursing school? Do you want to talk to my friend Jen? who has a daughter in college, and she's 57 years old, and she's a doctor. you want to talk to her? And they can't articulate who they even want me to recommend them to. And so, so much of the time we stay in our heads, and we, when we do these customer avatar exercises. Yes. And for the most part, I don't like those. For the most part, I don't like them. Mm-hmm. Because we, it's all theory it's all theory. But if I were to ask somebody who's starting out their business, look, I like you, I want to help you get started. Which one of my friends do you want to talk to? And if they can't tell me a straight answer, they're putting the burden on me to help them grow their business. And that's not going to work. Damn. I'm going to be like, "Okay, come back to me when you know who you are and who you want to serve." So, you know, um that those two those two questions, you got to be able to answer them on the front end. So, if you're becoming a personal brand business, what do you want me to pay you for? And number two, which one of my friends do you want to talk to? And if you can answer those questions very, very easily. And, and here's what happens, Mike. They say, well, I, I want you to recommend any friends that want life balance. And I just want to be like, OK, you're going to you're not going to make it in this world. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't make sense. You got to specify. You're asking me to te- like bring you in front of all my friends. Sorry, I'm not going to do that.
0: Yeah, because you
1: don't know who you want to talk to. But if 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 she said or he said, you know what, Mike, I w- I want to talk to um, early 30 somethings who have gone through the corporate grind or have have done the hustle of starting and running and scaling their own companies. And now they're about to start a family and they're completely overwhelmed because they know how to make money, but it's not really making them happy. And they've burned out because they've chased, you know, this success. And now they're like looking at the reality that their life is gonna slow down because they're gonna start a family and they're kind of panicking about that because up till this point in their life, they've been able to move with agility and speed in their business and now they're gonna to have to change diapers at four in the morning and they're, they're freaked out by that. Do you, do you know anyone who's like that? Yeah, his name's Mike Gonzalez. He lives in Paul. <laughs> he's in yeah, Florida. exactly, right, right. Like, like that is easy because now I can, boom, snap a finger, have a picture in my mind who they wanna to talk to you. That's so, yeah, if you're going from the corporate space into the personal brand business space, remember, business is nothing more than solving a problem for a profit. And if you can answer those two simple questions, you're going to be able to access your network, um, find the right people. And then if you can filter all the content and the marketing that you're going to do through whether you're going to educate, inspire, or entertain, you're going to have the bandwidth and the margin to share all of your passions, to share and experience all those things. Um, you know, you look at my Instagram, I mean, you see food, travel, uh, music all the time. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have an outlet, but you know what, those things don't pay me. But because my business pays me, I can have the margin to share and experience those things and share them
0: with my, with my people. I love that. And that's really what I think it's all about, right? Because. If you have, no matter what your business is, if you are a personal brand, obviously you want to know what is that problem you want to solve, be paid to solve, right? And who within your friend's network do you want to talk to specifically? Taking that a step further, if you are a company that isn't necessarily led by a personal brand, what is the narrative, right? What is that narrative that your customer can buy into, see themselves in, and almost take on the identity of that narrative so that people within their network see your product as the solution uh, or your company as the answer to their problem. So I love looking at it from those two perspectives. Uh, Mike, thanks for thanks for sharing that. Any any other bits of advice you want to share uh, with uh, our listeners today?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that I've been sharing a lot lately is what I call the rule of the nine. And um, uh, this is really more for Instagram, but it works on Facebook, too. But the reason I, I picked nine is because um, if you go on someone's Instagram profile, right, and you click on them for the first time. You guys can follow me if you like, right? My Kim TV, and uh, this is what I try to demonstrate to a lot of people. They click on my Instagram profile, and they see speaker, comma marketing strategist, travel, scuba, and host of a podcast, right? And if that's interesting to them, Mike, what they're going to do is they're going to take one thumb swipe down, right? And mm-hmm. they're going to scroll up, and they're going to see my first nine photos. And my rule of the nine is that with every nine photos that I that I post there has to be at least one of me speaking and there has to be one in right because that's my profession yeah it's like fifth grade show and tell right exactly so I'm gonna, yeah. there's got to be a picture of me speaking I've got to have one piece of educational content I've got to have one piece of inspirational content and I make this like stupid easy all I do is screenshot one of my tweets <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I post a picture of it right and then the rest can be whatever entertainment That I want, right? So every nine photos, if you look at my Instagram, every nine photos, you'll see at least one of me speaking and one inspirational piece of content, right? And the others are my travel, what I'm eating, time with my family. But every nine photos, you're going to see one of me speaking and you're going to be an inspirational quote. So I go to bed every night knowing that if somebody finds my Instagram at any given point during the day, and my bio is interesting enough for them to do one thumb swipe up, they're gonna get a very well-rounded view of my personal brand. And that's a very simple way to approach publishing content. I do the same thing on Facebook, right? There's an indistinguishable blend between my professional and my personal life. Not that I'm sharing all the details of my personal life, but they see a real glimpse of me, and because of that, It builds relationship and that's marketing. Marketing to me, marketing is not about closing a sale. It's about opening a relationship. And if I do my social media and my podcast and my marketing this way, then I make it easy to build relationships with people. I don't teach 80% of the time. I don't do educational content 80% of the time on Instagram because that's not the way that I use that channel. But I do 80% teaching on my podcasts. So if people find me interesting on Instagram, they'll move over to my podcast. Exactly. Right? So that's how I do that. So, yeah, hopefully that helps. That's just one last tip. I um, love that. Yeah. People have found really useful
0: to, to, to use as a paradigm. You've heard it here, guys. Marketing is not about closing a deal. It is about opening a relationship. Mike, thanks for joining us on the show today. And if you guys would like to follow and learn more about Mike Kim, where can they find you?
1: Well, you're listening to a podcast, so the easiest thing to do is go to go to my podcast. It's called The Brand New Podcast. Uh, just type in my name. A uh, ton of episodes there that you can tune into. And uh, if you use Instagram at all, I use that like way too much. I'm on in Instagram all the time. So it's
0: at MikeKimTV. Well, that concludes another episode of the Founders Craft Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to hear your feedback. Go to com. There you will find the ability to leave a comment and join the conversation in the community. Also, I'd love to interact with you. If you have social media, you could find me at Mike Gonzalez on Instagram. Send me a direct message, follow me. Would love to chat with you there. That is all for the show today. Until next time.